Welcome to Her Story Sessions. I'm Brittany, a woman on a mission to learn more about women throughout history and to share it all with you. If you like this show, be sure to follow me. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Her Story Session and can be emailed at herstorysessionspodcast at gmail.com. Marie Antoinette has several portraits of her that are famous across the Western world. Two of these are her in the scandalous white muslin dress and her with her children as an attempted PR piece before the French people rose up and overthrew the crown. And while many people may know the woman shown in these paintings, they may not know that it was a woman that painted them, among many others. This woman, behind the brush, was Elizabeth Vigie Lebrun, a gifted painter that created more than 660 portraits, over 30 of which were Marie Antoinette and her family, and 200 landscapes. She would be patroned by many royals and nobles of her time, although she was born as a commoner herself. Her family were not poor by any means, though, and were part of the rising middle class. Her mother, Jean Ne Maison Vigie, was a hairdresser, and her father, Louis Vigie, was a pastel portraitist and part of the Académie de Saint-Luc, which was a Parisian painter and sculptor guild. Elizabeth was born April 16, 1755, in Paris. She showed a deep interest in art early, which her doting father encouraged, teaching her in art and allowing her free access to the materials in his studio. Then, when she was five years old, she was sent to a convent for her education, as was the custom for girls at the time. She stayed there for six years before returning home, and once back, her father decided to begin training her in painting. Her father would also introduce her to Gabriel Francois Doyon, Jean-Baptiste Grayouz, and Joseph Vernat, who would later give her advice and teach her things here and there. Sadly, after just a year back home, her loving father passed away when she was 12. Another year later, possibly for financial reasons, her mother married a wealthy jeweler, Jacques-Francois Lassavre. Elizabeth and her younger brother, Etienne, both despised their stepfather, and Elizabeth wrote in her memoir, I hated this man, even more so since he made use of my father's personal possessions. He wore his clothes just as they were, without altering them to fit his figure. At just 14, Elizabeth began working, taking commissions after the paintings of her brother Etienne and her mother Jean were seen by others. To deal with male sitters for her paintings that were a little too intent on staring at her while she worked, she devised a pose that had them look up and away from her, making it look like in the painting as if they were intent on their thoughts. Anytime the men would turn their eyes and begin to stare at her again, she would just point up and say, I am doing the eyes now, if you would please. Her mother, who always sat in with her when she had men in for paintings, would just chuckle to herself, knowing full well what her daughter was doing. Her clientele base grows even more, but she isn't working under any sort of institution. In 1774, her studio was seized by officials for receiving commissions without registering to work professionally. In Paris at the time, it was obligatory to be part of an artist's guild to work. So she applied to the Académie de Saint-Luc and was made a member in 1774. This helped her gain exposure even more. Then she met Jean-Baptiste Lebrun, a painter and art dealer. Her mother encouraged this relationship, and she married him on January 11, 1776, when she was 21. His connections gave her access to collections of art that he curated for nobles and put her in touch with those in higher social circles. She would display her artwork in their home and hold salons, and she would make more connections that way as well. When she was 23, she received her first commission to paint the queen for the queen's mother, Empress Maria Theresa of Austria. 
So far, both the queen and her mother had not been happy with any of the previous portraits done of her. But Elizabeth's portrait of Marie Antoinette in her white court dress impressed both of them, and Elizabeth would continue to paint Marie Antoinette and her children for the next decade. Elizabeth was also known to put her clients at ease, and Elizabeth wrote in her memoirs that her and the queen would often carry on conversations and even sing together during their sittings. Catherine Bacher, curator of European paintings at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, who organized Vigie Le Brun, woman artist in revolutionary France at the museum, highlights certain similarities between the two, explaining, quote, Although a woman artist who was the daughter of a hairdresser could not be a friend of the Queen of France, perhaps it did matter to the Queen that they were exactly the same age, and over the several years that Vigie Le Brun painted her, they were also both of childbearing age, and both had children, and both lost a child. I have a sense that this must have mattered in some way. The two had a close relationship, which led to Marie Antoinette helping her to be admitted to the Académie Royale in 1783, which would not have happened without the royal pressure. Part of the reason she was originally denied was because her husband was an art dealer, and anyone with direct links to the art trade were not allowed, but King Louis intervened and ordered it on behalf of Marie Antoinette. This was the most prestigious artist guild in France and did not accept many women. Elizabeth was one of only 15 to be admitted in an almost 150-year time period between 1648 and 1793. On February 12, 1780, she gave birth to a daughter, Jean-Lucie-Louise, or Julie for short. She also gave her the nickname Brunette. In 1781, Jean-Baptiste takes her with him on a trip to the Netherlands to trade with the Dutch art dealers, and there she sees the work of Rubens and his paintings done with oils on wood panels rather than on canvas, which gives a shiny enamel-like quality to the painting. She's greatly influenced by his work, and when they go home, she paints her self-portrait wearing a straw hat and uses a wood panel for the first time. This is considered one of her greatest works. The shawl and the straw hat will show up on several models in her paintings after that. The straw hat shows up on Marie Antoinette in the 1783 painting of her in the simple muslin dress, too. This painting was put on display, and the fact that the queen was not only shown in such an informal outfit without any corseting underneath, but also that she chose to be shown that way, was seen as scandalous. Elizabeth was asked to take the painting down, and a month later she replaced it with Marie Antoinette with a rose, which shows the queen in the exact same pose with the exact same expression, only dressed in an elegant lace-trimmed dress this time. In 1787, another of her paintings caused a scandal, this time one of herself and her daughter. The painting, called Self-Portrait with her daughter Julie, showed her smiling and open-mouthed. This was completely against traditional painting conventions and was seen as offensive. In a court gossip sheet, it was, quote, an affection which artists, art lovers, and persons of taste have been united in condemning and which finds no precedent among the ancients is that in smiling... Madame Vigie Le Brun shows her teeth. It seems that she was not bothered by this, though, as just two years later, she did another self-portrait with her daughter, also known by the same name, and again showed herself openly smiling. Still, she was popular among the royal court and was one of the highest-paid artists in France. During her decade at Versailles, she also painted many other members of the royal family and the aristocracy, including Madame du Barry, the king's mistress. 
but as the French Revolution began, she was forced to flee France, being associated with a monarchy. She and her daughter disguised themselves, and leaving her husband behind, fled to Italy in October 1789. Her husband stayed behind and would petition for her to be able to return later on, but for now he told people she went to Italy to instruct and improve herself. She would never see Queen Marie Antoinette again after that, but later in life wrote of her, quote, The kindness she always bestowed upon me has ever been one of my sweetest memories. Once in Italy, she set up a studio again to support herself and her daughter and quickly found herself painting for the upper classes again. She joined artist guilds while there, too. While in Naples, she painted the portraits of Marie Antoinette's sister, Queen Maria Carolina of the Naples, and her four oldest children. She later wrote of the daughter Louisa that, quote, was extremely ugly and pulled such faces that I was most reluctant to finish her portrait. She also did several allegorical paintings, and the dancer and actor Emma Hamilton was her model for many of them. Lady Hamilton, as she was known, sat for Elizabeth's painting Sybil, which was most likely her favorite painting, and she brings it up many times in her memoirs, much more than any other. She stayed in Italy for three years, then moved on to Austria in 1972. There, she painted for the royal family again, doing the portraits of the Liechtenstein princesses in Roman-inspired clothing. Here, she also met the Russian ambassador to Vienna, Count Paul Andrevich Shavolo, who became her first Russian client. He urged her to go to Russia, promising her that Catherine the Great would patron her. He succeeded in convincing her to go, and in 1795, she set out for Russia. It took them three months to get to St. Petersburg, but once there, Elizabeth found that Catherine the Great had welcomed several French exiles into her court and that she had integrated the French arts, music, and fashion into her court. Even the white chemise dress that had caused so much controversy when Marie Antoinette had worn it was now in fashion in Russia, and plenty of the ladies of the court were wearing them. Needless to say, Elizabeth felt very at home in the Russian court and ended up staying there for six years. There she painted for many of the, of the aristocrats and the former king of Poland who had sought refuge in Russia, and also Catherine's granddaughters, Elena and Alexandra Pavlovna, although Catherine was not initially happy with the painting as it showed the girl's bare arms. Elizabeth added long sleeves afterwards to please her. After that, Catherine even agreed to sit for Elizabeth herself, although she passed away before that could happen. But while in Russia, her now-grown daughter Julie, whom she had always had a close relationship with, met Gaetan Bernard Negris, the secretary to the director of the Imperial Theatres of St. Petersburg. The two fell in love, but Elizabeth did not approve of the match. But Julie was writing to her father back in France, and he sanctioned the marriage. So when Elizabeth left in 1801 to go back to France, her daughter stayed behind, and the two would not speak to each other for nearly 20 years. After 12 years away, she returned home to France. But when she had fled back in 1792, her name was added to the official list of emigres, people who had fled. Her property was seized by the state, and she was declared legally dead by the new French government. In 1793, her husband published a petition signed by 255 artists to allow her to return to France, but it was denied, and soon after that, Both her husband and her brother were imprisoned for several months because of Elizabeth's closeness to the former royal court. For his own safety, and to get back his own assets, her husband divorced her in 1794. But he would continue to campaign for her return, and finally in 1800, her name was removed from the list of emigres and her citizenship was reinstated. 
She made it back to France, then to Paris the following year. But after 12 years away, the massive cultural changes that had happened after the revolution, she found it hard to adjust. Her membership in the Académie Royale, the Artists Guild, was also dissolved after the French Revolution because female academics were now abolished. She later wrote, Before the revolution, women ruled. The revolution dethroned them. Less than a year after coming back to France, she left for London. There she painted for the elite yet again for a while before returning to France. She took short trips to Switzerland in 1807 and 1808 and was made an honorary member of the Société pour Avancement des Beaux-Arts while there. She bought a house in the French countryside and split her time between there and Paris and continued painting very late into her life. Her ex-husband died in 1813, and in 1819, her now long-estranged daughter fell ill, and Elizabeth rushed to be by her side, but she could do nothing for her, and Julie passed away soon after. The following year, her brother also passed away. She wrote of that time, quote, Such grief in such a short time broke my spirit. With the help of her two nieces, she published her memoirs in three volumes between 1835 and 1837, which is where most of her quotes in this episode came from. She lived to be 86 years old, passing away in Paris on March 30, 1842. Her paintings can be found across many private book collections, and in places like the Louvre in Paris, Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg, and the National Gallery in London, and the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. I highly recommend looking up her work, and I'll post several of the paintings I've mentioned on my Instagram too. That's all for today, and thank you for attending this Her Story session.